Welcome all Botswa podcast listeners. It's a great honor today to have um, Ulf Niermark uh, as our guest. He's been a long time in Botswana, isn't it Ulf? Yes, it starts to add up. So I've been there since 1990. You are a biologist, uh, you are a photographer. Tell us about Ulf Niermark. Who is Ulf Niermark and what have you been up to the, the last 30 years in Botswana? Well, the reason I came to Botswana was uh, to take part in a regional project uh, under the Ministry of Agriculture. It was for this United Nations uh, Food and Agriculture Organization. So I arrived there in March 1990 and was working out of the Ministry of Agriculture in a very small unit that handled fisheries. And our aim was to introduce the interests and possibilities of farming fish in Botswana. All right, you are, you are taking this up again now, very active, uh, a funded project from, is it UN or that you will just about to start up now when you come back to Botswana? Yeah, that, that's the interesting part because uh, I came there for one organization and I started to like living in Botswana. So I decided to remain and try to get other job opportunities. And I worked with government uh, for 10 years and then I became a self-employed entrepreneur trying still to get advice in that same sector. And now the, the wheel is closing up again and I'm back into the same organization that took me to Botswana. So it's again this food and agriculture organization. It's only yeah. that this time it's a short-term project. Okay. But it seems to be uh, a really good project if it takes off because it will diversify the economy, I guess. It's something for entrepreneurs to get involved in, to set up a, yeah. a, a fishing, uh, a small scale fishing business. Is that what it is about? Or, or is it big industry? Or? No, Botswana has, uh, in a way, limited water resources, uh, especially if you look at how they are spread over the country. So when people talk about water in Botswana, they only think about the north of Okavango and Shoba River. But when it comes to fish farming, that nowadays can be done almost anywhere as a commercial venture where you try to put the fish farms closer to the urban markets uh, to avoid the, the carbon footprint of long transports, have access to service institutions, have access to manpower and so on. So it's a little bit of a different approach, but it's not in isolation. It's being developed and thought about together with the, the fishing in the dams and the rivers and the delta as well. So it's, it's trying to find value addition of the resource. That's interesting. Let's say if I was an entrepreneur and, and um, I wanted to start up a, a, a fishing industry, the model that you are now trying to launch, what, uh, what would it take from me to, to success? Uh, what abilities? It's never easy to set up a business and um, you know, make it successful and uh, you know, profitable and all that. What, what would be the advices from your side to me? The first thing is that you really have to think about how committed can you be time-wise. Um, because when you go into farming in general, it's not a business you can do on uh, remote control. You, you have to be personally involved. And if you don't have the passion, so you 
can be there without feeling it's a burden all the time, then that's the first kind of red light that should come up. If you feel that way, you should not enter into the business of agriculture in the first place. But have you decided to work with it and you like living things, whether it's plants or animals? Then I think now with this interest from government and they're talking about the fast track approach, and that follows also the problems they've had during the COVID uh, period where we've had restricted imports sometimes. And we've seen in some places in Botswana periods, we have had a little bit low uh, stocks in the shelves in many of the shops. Mm -hmm. So I think with this, trying to promote domestic production, uh, specifically in the agricultural sector, it's quite promising for those people who have a keen and real interest in this. But back to what you, you asked for, what approach should, should they have and what should they think about these entrepreneurs? It is, they have to be committed to learn. Mm. Many Botswana, they are very good in animal husbandry. There's no doubt about it because it's a long, long tradition, both with small stock and cattle and, and poultry during the last decades. But that is to work with animals that you can hold and look at and they breathe air. But with fish, it's slightly different because you don't really see your animals. They live under the surface of the water and it, it's very difficult just to handle them in the same way you go into your chicken house and, and lift the chicken to see how it feels and how, how it looks like. Mm. So uh, that's the period of learning. And that's mm. what one of the things we miss in Botswana. We miss opportunities for such technical vocational training in some of these fields. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So could you give me three reasons why this kind of fishing um, farming um, business it will fit uh, in Botswana? Why is it um, a good thing to be involved in? Uh, one thing is that you can assist with uh, a certain level of import substitution because if you look at the statistics that comes from Statistics Botswana, there's quite a big import bill for fish. Now, farming fish, that type of fish, can't compete with all the imports because it's canned fish, it's crayfish and shrimps and stuff like that. But it can still assist with quite a bit of import substitution. So you save on forex and, and you do have that capacity then to supply the nation with locally produced food in case of these problem periods like we've seen now during COVID. The other thing is that it would fit in the approach that I see with this more intensive fish farming where you can plan your production and also you can take care of the environmental problems. It's something that is very timely because of this environmental awareness so that when you have a farm that takes care of itself, it also has to regulate itself because if you have dirty water, the fish will die. So as a fish farm, you automatically take care of the water quality. And in Botswana, it's so important to do that because we, we don't have a surplus of water in most parts of the country. Mm -hmm. um, the, the third thing would be that it is something of a, a novelty and that is also of interest to many young entrepreneurs that would try something new. And uh, it is possible now to place these type of agricultural activities close to an urban center. So, young people entering into this field of 
food production. They don't need to feel isolated away from the mainstream social networking and all that. I would, I would like to go back to all the years you've been uh, living in Botswana, I mean, 30 years. Uh, there must be something really special uh, with the mentality or of the people and uh, and also the the country, the nature. Or I don't know what it is, what is it that you love so much. What what kept you there for so long? Is it that you don't like Sweden? Or no, I must admit when I come back to Sweden, even now during this period when the weather is not very attractive, I, I do enjoy walking around, sitting in the cafes, just looking at the people milling around and the, and, and the built society, the built environment, because it's very different from, from Botswana. But it's something in Botswana that gets to you. Um, when you're away from it, you miss it. I've always been met with, with respect, uh, but still feel that when you walk around in, in Botswana, even if you don't know someone, you, you greet each other. And uh, in that way, you feel welcome, you feel part of it. Yeah. You're not excluded and, and they look away when they see you. It's, it's actually, we look people in the eye and we say good morning when we pass each other on the street, even if we've never met each other. And, and that's really appealing to me. Mm. Um, and of course, it, in the country itself, it's so much to see. It's a, it's a vast country. Mm. Yeah, that's good to hear, Ulf, and um, you're going back now, even if your wife is uh, in Sweden and, and, and your family. I think you have a, a strong love affair with Botswana. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in a way not bigger than with my wife, but uh, still it's a love yeah, affair, love. you can call it. Botswana, they are known to be easygoing people, and um, and like you say, always greet each other, it's, it's quite warm that feeling, you know, when, when you're around people and uh, it's, it's, it feels easy. I mean, I'm sure it's not always like that. Another thing is to run a business and get things done. When you come, maybe as an investor or try to set up a business or something, are there things that you find challenging? When you come to Botswana, perhaps some people are fooled by it because it looks like everything is 100% smooth and you can just go and do everything in a day. But there are still a few things that you realize that some bureaucracies there, the solutions on the ICT, the, the internet platform is not yet as developed as compared to at least here in Scandinavia. But I think they are taking huge strides in Botswana. And I've seen that over the years that the development and the application on these uh, mobile phone platforms, it's increasing very, very fast. And the outreach of mobile networking, it's uh, across the country now, more or less. I would just lastly ask you, if you were going to mention like two or three favorite spots in Botswana, what places would that be? Or if you would go on a vacation? It's a little bit of a cliche because it is those places where most people go to. <laughs> Mm -hmm. because they are beautiful. Now, I, one of my favorite spots, it's this Makadikadi Pants. And why is that? I mean, that's a, there is nothing out there. It's just um, desert sand, salt desert. Well, it, it's actually a lot more than that. It's, it might not look like a very varied landscape, but the pants are in, in infinite. You, you feel like you're in the sea when you're walking on the pants. 
And then you have the islands and you have the beautiful old baobab trees that makes you feel like you're in an ancient place. Mm -hmm. and, and when you sit there, the air is so pure. You see the stars sparkle. It's absolutely magic. It sounds like a very so, peaceful uh, feeling for the mind. And uh, you might have a peace of mind also in the delta. It's mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful to sit by the papyrus reeds in some area of, of the Okavango area. Mm -hmm. So that's also one of my favorites because mm -hmm. as a Swedish person, we long for water. But Ulf, yeah. uh, thank you very much for, for chatting with you at the Botswa podcast. And it's, it's great for Botswa to have a man like you in, in Khabarone. The contact with Botswa and the old timers from Botswana, so to say, it's quite pleasant. Good luck with your trip back home and the fishing project. It's, we are very excited to follow that. Yeah, thank you very much.